Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We are at episode 119. Welcome along, I'm Paul Spain. I'm David Hallett, technology columnist, Waikato Times. And I'm Chris Gardner, the technology editor from the Waikato Times. Thank you both for, uh, for joining the New Zealand Tech Podcast today. Good to have you in Auckland again. You're welcome. It's always good to have a nice little drive north. Well, there's been uh, there's been a bit of uh, a bit of news this week around uh, a particular Microsoft product, uh, Windows. And first up, we're going to have a little chat about Windows Blue. Now, in the last uh, last few hours, uh, the last sort of twenty four hours or so, um, this new version of uh, of Windows, uh, I guess it's the update to uh, to Windows eight. Uh, has leaked online, and uh, a number of people have been playing around with this uh, this new build of uh, of Windows. Now, what do we know about Windows Blue so far? Um, I believe it's an update that is going to be uh, sort of like an annual update. Uh, they're talking about yearly updates to Windows uh, now, uh, in a similar way that we see yearly updates to our, our mobile operating systems and have done, uh, particularly with iOS for some time, and, and Windows Phone as well. Uh, so we've got Windows Blue coming to uh, you know to Windows 8 tablets and, and PCs. Uh, Windows Blue coming to um, Microsoft's uh, phones, the Windows Phone platform, uh, and also their server platform. Uh, so this first version, we had a little bit of a look of it at a video of it before. Uh, Chris, what was your uh, what was your take on Windows Blue? Well, first thing is I'm not sure if the name's right because well, it's sort of a code name, isn't it? You were sure. Blue, I mean, it doesn't have me feeling blue at all. <laughs> I'm quite excited when I saw it. I'm a big fan of the Windows Phone, and um, what Windows Blue is going to do by the looks of things is um, give us some of the functionality of the Windows Phone, particularly Windows Phone 8, um, into, into the Windows 8 platform. And the biggest thing, the thing that I love the most about it from, from what I've just seen, is the, the ability to resize tiles um, to whatever you want to have it you know and really customize your your start screen the metro screen we're not allowed to use metro anymore are we call <laughs> um, it what you like call yeah, it microsoft what don't call it much so uh, yeah <laughs> the start screen um yeah the thing that bugs me with windows 8 if the, if i have got a bug about it at the moment is, is that it isn't very customizable particularly that start screen um and i think blue this, is this going to address it a bit more that. in the right direction yeah absolutely you. okay that's good yeah i mean it's you know it's it's bringing the smartphone platform and and the and the PC platform closer together and making them much similar and more user friendly i think yeah it does there seem to be uh, there seems to be quite a few features there in um in this this windows blue version of windows 8 which i'm not sure what the final name for it will be i don't think it'll be windows 9 no. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem quite that far ahead, but I mean, who knows how they uh, how they go with actually branding this thing? Uh, but yeah, lot lots of uh, you know those sort of smaller and and cosmetic changes, uh, changes to the way you can run uh, multiple apps on the screen. I thought you know stood out. For instance, a split screen that we've been able to do in traditional Windows for years and years uh, that disappeared. Uh, in Windows 8, certainly um, in in the uh, the Metro type uh, or modern UI view, uh, where yeah you couldn't just split your screen in half. Mm. So it's good to see that that's back. I think you, they're saying you'll be able to have up to four apps um, mm. on the on the screen at once, which is which is great. Uh, they brought through a lot of other sort of um, 
um, items that before you had to sort of dig behind the scenes to really uh, to get at in terms of uh, control panel settings and various other things. Uh, and um, the SkyDrive integration. Um, David, what do you think about uh, some of that SkyDrive stuff? Because you've used that on uh, on Windows Phone 8. Uh, do you think this is sort of a, a big jump forward, or will it just bring Windows up to speed with, uh, with other platforms? Well, you know, all my photographs are automatically synced with SkyDrive from my smartphone, and that was one thing that I lacked from Windows 8, I guess, was the synchronisation straight into SkyDrive. So are you one of these guys that while, stand, while at a conference, you'll stand up holding a big tablet and use it to, uh, <laughs> to, to, sorry, to take photos? Absolutely. <laughs> there, there's, there's, always, there's always one, isn't there, that does that at a conference. Everyone else just holding up their smartphone. Someone stands up with this huge tablet. And holds it up oh, to uh, much better to, resolution, to so you, you can see the actual photo. Yep. Hey, we're yeah. from the Waikato, where everything is bigger and better. All right. Well, I'm glad that um, Environment Waikato, whatever the local council is down there, are sponsoring this trip. Um, thank, <laughs> thanks for that, uh, chaps. Um, but uh, no, seriously, the it looks like that that SkyDrive, which is really the cloud side of the integration. Mm. They've really drawn from uh, what we've seen in Windows Phone 8, which is. Um, that ability to back up, um, you know, most of what's in your device straight to the cloud. And if they do it like they're doing it on the phone, then that's something that's actually free, a completely free Absolutely. service at the moment, isn't it? So it'll be fascinating to see whether that becomes a sort of a paid option or whether Microsoft are just saying, look, when you buy Windows, we'll actually back it up to the cloud for you at no charge, uh, which actually sounds sounds rather handy, right? Pretty decent. I mean, it's not they're not backing up. Everything. It's not a sort of a full hard drive backup, but uh, yeah, a lot of key settings and so on. And, and they already do that to a degree. Uh, you know, when you log in uh, with your with your Microsoft ID, there's a lot of stuff that sort of synchronizes in terms of settings. But it looks like they might be uh, might be taking that to the next level. And uh, yeah, certainly good if you've got uh, you know photos and so on that are that are landing on your uh, uh, you know Windows uh, tablet or, or, or device, uh, having those automatically synchronized to. Uh, uh, to SkyDrive. Now, one of the other things I noticed um, looking at it was that that SkyDrive integration also um, goes much deeper into the operating system uh, to the point where, for instance, today if we use the Microsoft Surface RT or some of those, mm. you know, there's not many of them, but one of the uh, Windows RT-based uh, tablets uh, for, in conjunction with, say, Microsoft Office, you can't really um, hook that up um, in, in quite the way you might like to with sort of synchronized uh, um, local files to uh, you know to to the cloud I mean you can do that certainly within office itself but uh, you don't have sort of full flexibility it, it looks as though maybe that uh, skydrive integration there at an operating system level uh, will give you that uh, that closer um, uh, cloud integration which looks looks kind of handy mm, mm. and it's nice because it gives you that functionality which you've got with Dropbox already but now built into an RT means your tablet's cloud-enabled. Mm. This makes me wonder whether they're sort of aiming more at the corporate market with, with this update? or, or Well, SkyDrive is predominantly a, a consumer product rather mm. than a corporate product. That's but right. there is SkyDrive Pro, which is the corporate one. So I well, guess that, there's a possibility that they start with, you know, this next step is SkyDrive. The next one further along allows you some sort of corporate uh, cloud uh, synchronization and, and knowing that a lot of Microsoft customers are... Uh, business-wise, you can see it uh, maybe progressing in that direction, but it, it does seem like it's uh, 
um, you know, it puts some pressure on on the other uh, players in the in the tablet space. You know, talking about Apple and uh, and Google in terms of where they're uh, they're moving the operating system to. The other thing about this this um, major update of Windows is we we haven't really seen big updates like this for years and years. And and I might be wrong, but the biggest one in history that I remember is. XP Service Pack 1, which added a whole load of new functionality into Windows XP. And I can't really think of anything else since then. Other than a full sort of paid-for version version upgrade. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we still don't... I mean, they still haven't actually made any announcement around Windows Blue. There's nothing really official. It's just this has leaked out. Uh, so, you know, there, there's, there's some possibilities there that they might charge for it or there might be something else to it. But it does sound as though... Uh, this will be a free, you know, likely be a free upgrade from you know the the, the snippets that we've heard. Uh, certainly, the, the, what we've heard reported by um, Mary Jo Foley, for instance, from ZDNet, mm. uh, and yeah, others seem to be sort of backing up that um, you know we're going to see these things in between the the, the major uh, updates. And I, I think it's uh, yeah, it's really really good to see, and it um, sure. it addresses some of the probably the the. Um, the shortcomings or frustrations people have had with, uh, you know, with Windows 8. I do um, want... And I, there's some areas of it where it just hasn't been as, as mature as other platforms. This maybe, uh, you know, takes it past some of them in some regards. I, I do wonder whether this might be an annual update because of the way in which it's got Internet Explorer 11 bundled with it. And so usually, the, you know, these service packs come out with different versions of IE. But we were traditionally seeing new versions of Internet Explorer every... Uh, you know, maybe three years, and this looks like a bit of a step up uh, in the direction of you know. I, get, I guess we see you know very regular version updates from uh, uh, from Google with Chrome, and also uh, Firefox yeah. gets very very regular updates. Uh, so yeah, maybe Microsoft were being a little bit left behind there with with those guys having released you know five, ten, fifteen you know updates between um, you know Microsoft would come out with one. So not a bad thing, um, and it looks as though there might be some closer cloud integration there also. Uh, with Internet Explorer and, and, you know, I mean, we haven't seen all of that yet, but there's a suggestion that might become a little bit more Chrome-like. And, uh, you know, Chrome has that benefit of being able to move around devices mm. and, uh, you know, take your tabs and, and other bits and pieces mm. with you. And there's a level of that with uh, with Internet Explorer uh, now on Windows 8, but uh, this this looks as though um, it could go somewhat further. Mm. So it's certainly not Windows 9, is it? Um, nor is it the end of the desktop. I mean, the fact is that with um with Metro, you know, surfacing all these new configurations from control panel up to a touch interface, you've got to realise you don't need to go into desktop anymore or very little to change things. Yeah, I think you know it's good for those situations where where you're wanting to use your you know say a tablet just purely as a tablet. Uh, there'll be a lot more you can do, uh, and uh, you know we, we, we're seeing an improvement in the built-in apps, some extra built-in apps coming. Uh, there in the uh, you know in that leaked build, there's a uh, um, a video editor, a ba- very basic video editing program. There's an audio recorder, uh, alarm uh, app that that wasn't there before. Uh, you know the, these are uh, you know some I guess f- fill in some gaps, uh, but it's good. Now the other thing that we've had uh, actually just uh, just in the last um, hour or, or so has been uh, updated apps that are launched well ahead of uh, Windows Blue. Um, a number of the built-in apps for uh, for Windows 8 uh, have been updated for um, uh, just for existing users. So we've got a new mail app, 
uh, there that's a dramatic improvement over the last one and, and draws on some of the capabilities uh, of Windows Phone, such as ability to uh, uh, pin particular uh, mail subfolders uh, back to the desktop um, and you know uh, choose which folders you're going to synchronise. There's, there's really quite quite a lot in there. And uh, this will probably, um, you know, be appreciated by uh, by most users. I think uh, probably some frustrations for those companies, um, such as one locally here in Auckland, uh, that's been building a mail app uh, because the uh, the built in one was was somewhat limited. Chris, you've had a little bit of a look at that one, haven't you? Yes. Um, look, I have Windows Eight running on my desktop at home for a little while, um, and um, being an old machine of sort of three or four years. Um, didn't have a touch screen and the the family because it's a shared pc got a little bit frustrated with the with the start screen and the, and the touch interface not being able to touch it you know it was kind of pointless so i took it off but um i've actually just ordered an hp mvx2 um which will be at home in the next few weeks and um i'm really quite excited to see some of these new developments in in eight because you know it's, it's a few weeks since i've played with it <laughs> and when my new one arrives and it updates and it's got all these new bells and whistles, um, you know, it's going to be quite exciting. I mean, one of the things that I didn't like about um, Windows 8 is it shipped when it first came out was the Mail app and the fact that it was so simple. And again, for a lot of people, that's fine because that's what it's aimed at. It was aimed with less Chrome, what they call Chrome. You know, f- fewer buttons, few, fewer distractions away from what the core f- function of, of the app is. But I can see this update is adding in um, some of the Chrome that maybe was stripped out or, or not. Not quite the, the Chrome, but certainly certainly some of the features that were that were missing. And, uh, mm. you know, I, I've mostly used, uh, you know, Outlook. And, uh, you know, you get used to all the powerful capabilities of Outlook. But then you switch to your smartphone and, and it's very sure. basic. You know the smartphone uh, mail apps that we're now used to across iOS, Windows Phone, Android, uh, generally pretty good. Uh, but actually, we had a, a lesser experience than on your phone on Windows 8's built-in mail app. So Absolutely, I, I think this is, a, is definitely a good move forward. Now, um, talking around win, win, Windows 8 and uh, and touch screens, what's the device uh, there that we've got? Uh, we've got a Dell um, device here. Now, this was one of the ones that. Uh, that was announced at the uh, Windows 8 launch, wasn't it? Yeah, this is the uh, Dell XPS um, 12. And um, it kind of looks like something out of a science fiction movie when it's, um, when it's, in, its, uh, uh, in its convertible state. It's, it's basically a hybrid um, Ultrabook. So, you know, in, in one form it's an Ultrabook, but then you flip the screen round... And it sort of pivots in the middle of the frame. So you've got a frame right around the screen, and you can spin the screen actually inside the frame. So you can't remove the screen like you can with some of the uh, some of the convertibles, and just have the screen as, as a tablet. But you can flip it around, and uh, and then with the lid closed, the uh, the screen is actually facing out. So you've got a, a big thick chunky tablet. Absolutely, I it's a bit similar to the old Toshiba's where you could sort of twist the screen around. The base and then collapse it back down, and you're left with that same form factor. Yeah, there was Toshiba, I think ThinkPad that did something. That's uh, right. something similar. Um, I've seen pictures of this around for for months, and I keep looking at it, thinking there's no way that can work, and there's no way that can be tough enough for for, for everyday use. It looked to me very gimmicky, and, and when it arrived, and I've got it for a couple of weeks. Um, I was actually really surprised. It's very sturdy. It's very tough. It's quite a heavy machine, but yeah, I mean, it does seem really 
you know, uh, solid. And, uh, yeah, not something that's about to uh, fall to pieces. But it's a full Ultrabook. It's running a Core i5 processor. Um, I forget what the RAM is in it, but it's pretty hefty. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a main machine that converts to a tablet. So it's, it's pretty darn cool. And um, what sort of price point are those coming, uh, coming in at? They're sort of... Somewhere around about $2,000. Yeah, 2200 bucks, including right. just... Okay, okay. All right, so uh, so that's one option. Now, what's the other? Um, there's another tablet we've got here that we've been having a play around with. This is the um, Asus, isn't it? Um, now, this runs a um, you know it's a it's a sort of iPad uh, type form factor uh, running the Atom chip. So it runs um, still runs a full uh, Windows 8 uh, Pro on it, um, but it's it's not uh, yeah not not your uh, super high end uh, chip. Now playing around with the tablet itself seemed okay, uh, but we came a little bit unstuck when we were trying out the uh, <laughs> accessories. Right, David, what what's your thought on the uh, magnetically attached uh, cover and keyboard uh, uh, bits and pieces? Rate them out of ten. Absolutely, I'd have to give them oh, at least a two out of ten. Oh well, well done, Zeus. That much. That's right. Substantially under-engineered. I mean, in comparison to the obviously the you know the elite book type hybrid, the Dell we were just looking at, great mm. quality build, nice brush chrome. This comes with a sort of rubbery silicone type. Um, I've no I, I've no idea what this material is, but it's just so poor. Um, the hinging is is um, flimsy at best, and and the keyboard that they they conclude is almost an afterthought. So. Yeah, yeah, it's that, it's that sort of disappointing. It reminds me of, um, uh, although it's a lot worse. Well, yeah, although it's 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 um, well worse in a different way. But the uh, Lenovo's ThinkPad Tablet Two, the the keyboard associated with that, uh, just yeah, did seem like an afterthought. It doesn't sort of you know physically uh, connect properly back to the uh, the tablet, so it needs its own. Uh, uh, you know, Bluetooth connection and 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 so on, um, and yeah, it just uh, doesn't doesn't seem to work very well. Not not something that uh, probably any of us here would put our stamp of approval on and say, no. "Hey, race out and and uh, and and get that as a as a convertible sort of uh, you know device that could uh, uh, you know work as a laptop and a tablet." One thing going for the um, ASUS Vivo Tab though was that it is quite light. Hmm. I mean, it's good it just purely as a tablet. It seems you know seems fine. Uh, but if you want to attach the keyboard and so on, that side of it um, is, is where the, I guess, the disappointment comes in. I, I'd go out and get one of those um, Microsoft w- wedge um, mice and uh, and the matching keyboard that goes with it. I would, I think, a Bluetooth. You know, the, the keyboard with the ASUS. As somebody that spends ninety percent of his time typing on the computer, uh, I couldn't imagine using that for more than about five minutes before it drove me absolutely batty. Um, so. I mean, the fact is, if you're going to compare this, you'd do it head-to-head with, say, the HP NVX2, and the X2 would win hands down every time. Yeah, I guess, you know, we've got quite a range of devices in in that category, uh, you know, now, and... Uh yeah, I guess where where this one will where the Asus will uh, you know will fit, and uh, you know I've seen seen these I think in uh, the likes of JB Hi-Fi and so on, uh, is they will be bought on price, mm. and uh, you know probably for people that are wanting, uh, or maybe you know maybe considering a Windows alternative uh, to for you know an iPad or an Android uh, tablet, they they want to pay a little bit more to get Windows. Uh, but maybe not willing to step up to uh, you know the the full functionality uh, devices. C- certainly great for consumption. Hmm. Um, 
pretty yeah. poor for, for creation, I'd say. Yeah. Now, um, other devices we've got kicking around this. The, um, Chris, you bought the... Um, Kobo, the, Kobo Arc? Yeah, the Kobo Arc. Now, this is, is sort of similar in form factor um, to Google's uh, Nexus 7 uh, Android tablet. And um, I guess the news about this uh, device this week is it's just had the Jelly Bean um, update, right. uh, Android uh, update uh, become available uh, for it. Um, overall, quite a nice uh, you know, quite a nice little tablet. As I say, sort of similar to the Nexus uh, 7, uh, both in pricing and in, in form factor, a little bit uh, chunkier, uh, but it's very much aimed at being uh, an e-book reader, much like the uh, the Kindle Fire, for instance. What um, what have you what have you f- you know found as um, sort of s- stood out to you about the the Kobo? Oh, it's its form factor without a doubt. Um, you know, I updated it um, this week just when the update came, and, and actually, there's heck, not a heck of a lot of difference in usability from the previous version of Android that was on there, which I think was Ice Cream Sandwich from memory. It's it's great though to see that uh, on Android now, where you know with these new with the newer devices. Uh, you know that are starting with a 4.0 build of of Android. Um, you know, more often than not, we're seeing them uh, able to be upgraded to a newer version, and that was one of the big frustrations with the earlier versions of Android. Seems yep. like they're really smoothing that out now. I mean, Absolutely, not, it's not perfectly consistent, but I think they're really uh, streets ahead of of where they were, and it's it's great to see. Uh, you know, even even Kobo. Um, you know the Kobo devices, which you know aren't um, well. The the ebook readers are not you know aimed maybe at quite the same market as a as a raw sort of clean uh, Android built uh, device, but they're still getting the upgrades. Absolutely. I mean, my my son, who's seven, my oldest son, I've got three kids. He's um, he's really into reading, and and I've just given him a Kobo recently, and he is just plowing through books on it. Um, so. You know, it's kind of his first computer, really. I mean, he's sure he shares um, computers with other people in the house and does things, but to have one that he can take to bed and, and read, um, it's just fantastic. And, and the Arc, you know, is just a really nice experience. The screen is crystal clear. Um, it's good to read in bed, you know, with the lights out um, if you're reading an ebook, And um, you've got the added bonus of it being a full-blown Android tablet as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really nice device. I and do like the, the smaller form factor tablets, I've got to say. And I've got, um, uh, you know, I sort of moved between the, the iPad uh, mini, which is, is my favorite sort of device at that size at the moment, um, and uh, the, the Nexus 7. Uh, but I, I gotta say, I use the, um, I, you know, I use the um, the iPad Mini a lot more. But in that form factor, I think uh, they're really, you know, really useful sort of device yeah. to have around the the home, whether you're you know sitting on the couch watching telly or, or wherever. Um, big step up from from your phone. Absolutely. Not, not such a big step up from the um, the Note Two, which we've just got our hands on the um, the 4G LTE variant of this. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing a few uh, speed tests on uh, on this just to see uh, to see how fast it goes. But uh, I guess that's the other sort of form factor of device of so the larger um, uh, you know smartphones that are merging into the the tablet uh, mm. type sizes as well. So lots and lots of devices in this space. But that's certainly an area where Microsoft are missing out at the moment because they yep. just don't have anything to uh, you know. They just don't have anything in that game, uh, but you know we hear some rumours of bits and pieces coming uh, down the track, and I can see these updates with Windows Blue uh, maybe maybe suiting a smaller tablet as well. 
David, is that something you're looking out for a smaller tablet, or are you pretty happy with um, you know full blown size and just between that and your phone? Well, for me, I mean, I've got a seven inch tablet, and is that the telecom one. Yeah, that's the telecom ZTE, and um, it's I mean, it's not not terrible, but it's not great either. It's got resist, resistive touch rather than capacitive touch, and I use it for my kids to play games on. It's you know great for some you know Android kids apps and things but it's not great for anything that well no I'm trying I'm trying to find a good reason to say it's great but really it's (laughs) it's one of those units you get for review that you think gosh this is terrible and it's and it's no value at all but you know the the fact is the kids can use it yeah um, and they get quite frustrated with with resist resistive touch obviously you know the fact you can only click in one place at any one time you don't have multi-touch so I'm certainly looking at something in that space as well um, I'm surprised they haven't flushed it down the toilet or something. But you get what you pay for, right? I mean, that's the thing and, about and, and Android. At, and 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 I mean, at the at the time, um, you know, there wasn't really anything else at that price point. And no. you know, the seven inch tablets that we've been we've just been chatting about, um, you know, those have come down really to the low price points. We've got HP about to release. Uh, I don't think it's arrived just yet, but it's not mm. far off. Their new seven inch tablet into the New Zealand market that comes in at sub two hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, you know, we, we, there's there's some really competitive uh, you know options coming in that are Android and are, sure. uh, are, are pretty cool uh, you know consumer devices. If you'd have talked that form factor and that price five years ago, people would have look, look, looked at you as though you just beamed down from the enterprise, wouldn't they? Well, well, they still should because when I when I look at these uh, and then I, I look at you know we look at say the um, you know the the latest smartphones. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, there, there's a huge difference in price, which brings us to the topic of Samsung's Galaxy S4. Now, this is kind of, I guess, the hot phone at the moment. That's you know nearly here. Um, you know, there's a lot of anticipation that sort of people have built have built up around it. Uh, we've we're, we're told it's going to be here. Um, you know, by late April in the New Zealand market, uh, Telecom have announced their pricing for it, and they're starting retailing it at eleven hundred and forty nine dollars, which is a bit of a surprise. Last week on the podcast, I suggested that uh, there was I didn't can't remember my exact words, but along the lines of little or no chance that it would be priced higher than the Galaxy S three was at launch. Uh, that came in at a thousand and forty nine, so we're seeing a hundred dollar price increase. Now, what we don't know is what uh, Vodafone and Two Degrees will launch at. Uh, and in fact, we've already seen a precedent this year of uh, Vodafone launching at a lower price than Telecom and Telecom matching it uh, very, very quickly, if not instantly. Um, in fact, Chris, you've got there the um, HTC Windows Phone 8s. Yep. Uh, Telecom originally announced that at four hundred ninety nine dollars. Uh, Vodafone announced it um, within within days at four four nine, and uh, Telecom, I believe, matched uh, that four four nine uh, price point. So, you know, although we've got this eleven forty nine price for the Galaxy S four, it is actually quite possible in our local market that um, that some competition will, will stir things up again. So, um, you know, I guess we've got to appreciate having three carriers. I do wonder whether our friends at Samsung are doing a bit of an apple on us in terms of a premium product. I mean, the S4 is taking that premium model, I guess, of, of the phone that's been accepted as the, the Samsung Galaxy and saying, hey, at 11.49, this is, this is what you get for a premium product, much like Apple sells in that way. The, I guess the irony is, is the fact that where we are now, the New Zealand dollar is actually stronger than when the S3 came out, and so you'd expect the price to even be lower because of the foreign exchange rate. So surely they're trading on the brand of, of Samsung Galaxy. What's your take on that, Chris? 
I don't think you can mention Samsung in a sentence without mentioning Apple. And well, they're they're. Re- I mean, they really are the two. Uh, you know, the two leaders in the mobile space right now. I mean, did you did uh, you and watch? They're, and they're streets ahead of anybody else in terms of uh, market share and terms of attention. Uh, I mean, we, we were looking here at the uh, Sony Xperia Z before. Really nice phone, but the noise in the market around it. Um, they're, they're, you know, there's very little about it. You're, uh, you're almost saying who, who? Sony? Who? Yeah, <laughs> um, and that's terrible to say because I mean that you know. Again, 10 years ago, they were That's massive. Right. Once upon a Sony, it seems. And, but such as the technology world where things can move, uh, can move extremely quickly. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and they do, and, and they are. Did, did, you watch the, um, did you watch the Samsung Galaxy launch on, on YouTube? Uh, yeah, what, watch most of the, uh, the, the, live, the live feed there. Because that was really an Apple event. I was waiting for the sort of Steve Jobs or somebody to Run step on stage. out. Stage. <laughs> well, on I'm stage. not sure about the storytelling. It was uh, it was somewhat. Um, it was culturally different. Let's yeah, it, say. Was, it, was, <laughs> it, it, it was somewhat different to a, to an Apple launch. It's somewhat different to what a launch would be if it were, if it took place in in New Zealand. Sure, um, it, at least it was at the dot com mansion. Um, <laughs> you know, there may be some similarities there, but uh, yeah, quite quite a different launch, but. You know, probably very effective for them that they they were able to you know get uh, you know get people to to watch that mm. and to take in a lot of those features mm. over the hour uh, or you know in the direction of an hour that that uh, that presentation uh, you know ran for just to uh, just to show off the phone. But and there are a lot of features that did need a bit of time for you to sort of for you to make sense of them. And often we hear about features. And you, you know, you don't necessarily, you can't see how relevant they are unless you see them in action. So you can understand why they gave it a go. Yeah, but you know, the Samsung Galaxy line is is becoming a cult. Well, my wife runs phone. a Samsung Galaxy, and her expectation probably is that her next phone, that I guess her will be the Samsung Galaxy S4. It, it's got the same appeal, I guess, of going through the iPhone series. You just expect to upgrade to the next device. I mean, what's her handset now? Three years old. So it's time to be cycled definitely into the to the S four at eleven forty nine. There you go. But we are entering you into get the, one ordered. We are entering into the cult of Samsung. You know, people <laughs> just, just just like five years ago, where people were religiously just queuing up for Apple products. It's now happening in in the the Samsung space with the Android phones. Well, Samsung sort of made fun of uh, you know Apple with some of their videos of people queuing up and so on. Aren't so, they great? You know, do, 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 do you do you think in uh, in the future that the table might be turned? Well, that's and what I'm a- s- Apple will be doing a um, a mock of a Samsung video uh, in the in the other direction. I was kind of thinking along those lines. I had to throw that out there. I was that thinking sounds along totally those bizarre, but, yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I think some fascinating times ahead, and no doubt Apple have got some uh, some interesting products up up their sleeve this year. Uh, but they seem to do, or well, certainly at the moment, be doing a um, you know a, maybe a, a reasonably good job of of, of keeping those hidden. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see what the year ahead um, you know d- delivers us in uh, in in new products. Uh, but I think. Pleasing to see, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, new devices that come out that take advantage of of our new, uh, you know, four G LTE networks that are that are launching here in New Zealand. Of course, we've you know we've got Vodafone at this stage, but uh, you know we're we're very much anticipating uh, announcements from uh, you know from telecom during the year, and they've said that they'll have you know LTE live in some form by the end of the year. 
uh, and uh, likely two degrees will uh, you know will, will follow that uh, yeah probably into into twenty fourteen. Uh, we would imagine with their uh, their four G. So um, it's yeah. quite exciting as well with Vodafone with their um, their launch obviously around the RBI originally that they stated that four G upgrades the rural broadband initiative. That's right. Sorry, yeah, yeah with the rural broadband yeah. that they were going to do. Um, Upgrades to the existing or to the new sites to 4G as well. So. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so those those of our customer or, or um, those in then of um, well, not just Vodafone customers because there are other people that are selling the the RBI uh, services. But uh, um, yeah, those listeners that are in rural areas and have been looking forward to the rural broadband initiative in its various forms um, or, or have access to that already. Um, yeah, we'll be able to benefit from. Uh, from those uh, cell sites that are that are you know scattered around the rural uh, regions being bumped up to 4G, which will deliver them uh, some some pretty impressive performance. Uh, I guess what we've got to hope for is some increased uh, data caps because uh, you know compared to uh, those of us in um, in the city, they get uh, you know dramatically smaller uh, uh, data mm. caps, which is I guess the norm with uh, with mobile networks. All right. Um, now, in other uh, other news, we've got Telecom on the verge of launching ultra-fast broadband. In fact, when uh, many of our listeners catch this episode, uh, that w- the uh, the ultra-fast broadband uh, offerings from Telecom uh, will have launched. Uh, that announcement takes takes place um, midday on uh, on Wednesday, uh, and we'll be uh, we'll be bumping a bunch of info up on uh, the ufb.org.nz website. Uh, which is the website that came out of our original um, page on the NZ Tech Podcast site of all the um, ultra-fast broadband uh, uh, news and details and, and particularly the pricing plan. So we'll have those uh, telecom pricing plans up there alongside the offerings from from the likes of um, um, Orcon and uh, um, Worldnet and the other um, uh, internet providers that have, that have been providing uh, UFB or ultra-fast broadband for some time. So... I think that's that's sort of pretty positive for um, for ultra fast broadband that telecom are coming on board uh, because that means we're going to um, uh, we're going to see a fair bit of publicity behind the uh, the ultra fast broadband as they move into the the market. I would imagine. Do um, you think this is a good thing, Chris? Absolutely. I mean, I'm just hoping that this is all in place by the time the uh, Windows Blue comes down the pipe. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... So you can download it super fast. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. T- Two-minute job instead of, I don't know, 20 minutes. I'm just... <laughs> who knows? Well, it, and it who is knows? like that. The ultra-fast broadband is phenomenal. The other area where, you know, I, I found it fantastic uh, is, is doing those sort of online backups and, you know, doing, uh, yeah, file uploads. And, uh, you know, uploading podcasts and the like can be a pretty slow process. But uh, if you can do that over a fibre internet connection, uh, it's just... You know, dramatically faster and uh, much, much better experience. And the prices have got to come down as well. I mean, maybe this will drive more uptake, and um, you know, pricing will be a lot more competitive. Well, um, I think it has to drive uptake because um, you know, the, a very large percentage in the direction of you know half of New Zealanders connect to the internet uh, through telecom, and uh, you know, a lot of those users, you know. Are, um, you know, are not going to change to another uh, another provider anytime soon. Mm. So, you know, there will be a bunch of people out that have just been waiting for this to happen before they uh, they jump onto the ultra fast broadband mm. uh, wagon. Now, what we've heard is uh, initially they're going to be launching uh, the service in conjunction with Chorus, 
which means which covers a, you know a whole bunch of areas around New Zealand, uh, but it does exclude uh, Northland. Uh, it does exclude uh, Christchurch and Rangiora, uh, and it also includes uh, Hamilton. Uh, oh, it excludes Hamilton. Excludes uh, Hamilton and uh, and Tauranga. Uh, so there's a number of areas that they're not covering initially, and of course UFB itself has only been rolled out uh, so far. I think to um, what are we talking about? Um, I think by mid-year, talking about uh, about two hundred uh, two hundred thousand homes out of the uh, I think in the direction of one and a quarter million that they're uh, they're aiming to reach. So we, you know we're part way along that uh, that track, but. Uh, uh, I think this is um, is going to be helpful in that, and, and I hope that they move uh, move quickly to work with the other uh, you know local fibre companies, so we get those other parts of the country uh, covered off fairly quickly. All right, well that's um, that's Telecom's uh, yeah big uh, big announcement. So we'll look out for the specifics, and we'll maybe give that some discussion uh, next next week. Uh, we'll be certainly we've got a, a few more things to talk about regarding telecom over the next uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so we'll keep that one on the agenda for uh, for those discussions. Uh, of course, a lot of rumours going around at the moment around uh, telecom having to lay off a lot of staff. Uh, so we'll have some um, some firm effects on on that too. I've, probably over the next fortnight, I would uh, I would hope. Um, You've got to wonder too whether all the problems that they have with extra, which obviously wasn't extra but was Yahoo, but is is going to affect you know customer loyalty for telecom. Yeah, I mean, when it, whenever something goes wrong, right, and uh, and you uh, you uh, you know hurt your customers in some way, it's got to uh, you know it's got to put the, the relationships at risk, and you know it's certainly uh, e- easier now than it than it ever was before uh, for people to use uh, somebody other than telecom. Mm. So I think you know telecom uh, you know has to put itself in a in a position of uh, you know delivering great products at, at you know fair and, and appropriate sort of prices. Uh, so, yes, we'll we'll uh, we will look forward to, uh, to to that announcement just to see how those uh, sure you know how those service plans and and uh, and so on come uh, come together how those plans come together. Um, now, what else have we got here? Now, uh, Microsoft have um, just finished up their uh, their Imagine Cup contest that they hold. Uh, well, they hold it. Uh, it's a it's a worldwide um, event, and they've. Uh, They've been holding it here um, in New Zealand for uh, for quite a number of years now. Um, Chris, what would you des- how would you describe the uh, the Imagine Cup? You can tell us because you've been uh, on uh, one of the judging panels uh, this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's for those that don't know about it, it's a competition, international competition that Microsoft runs. Um, it's aimed at sort of sixteen year olds and up um, who are in the innovation space. A lot of them are sort of computer coders or or um certainly involved in the tech space and the whole idea is to try and encourage them to to change the world with technology if you like and um i was um on the judging panel on sunday for this year's imagine cup um for one of the categories which was world citizenship and we we sat through 10 teams of Dragon Den style, really, interviews, if you like. So each team would come and give a 10-minute presentation about their idea. And um, some of them had even gone as far as building prototypes that actually worked. And then there's a 15-minute question and answer from the judges. And it's pretty tough questions around marketing and application and 
where are you going to get seed funding from if this takes off? And the whole point was really to select a winner that could take their idea onto the world stage for the national finals in Russia in July. St. Petersburg, was it? Yes, yeah, St. Petersburg. So, so um, it was actually quite interesting because I sat down and read the judges' um, pack before the event, and there were two teams that stood out to me in the 10 that we were judging from just the ideas. When it came to the presentations, those were the two that came first and second. Wow, so they had really not only put it down well on on paper, but they were able to uh, present well and and obviously able to back up the initial uh, ideas that they had shared. Yeah, I mean, you know, judging was really tough because it's really hard from one sheet of A4 and 10 minutes or 25 minutes with a team to, to know just where they're at with some of these ideas and how well developed they are but um, there were two basically percentage points between the two top teams when we actually broke it down and and we were pretty split on who should win (laughs) and uh, yeah it was a really close race so so the winning team came from the University of Auckland and have come up with a um, ultraviolet sensor which can be attached to a wristband or a sun hat And it can measure the ultraviolet radiation um, wherever you are, and it feeds it back to an app on the smartphone, and let, let, lets you know if you're going to uh, if you're going to get uh, burned. Absolutely. The other part of it was that you fed in your sunscreen um, SPF, and it would give you a, a reminder at the right time to say you need to reapply sunscreen. So those are the guys that are winning. Sounds like a bit of an app for yuppies, perhaps, more than it does for um, innovation. Yeah, that's what what some of the other judges were saying. Um, And, um, yeah, I mean, I thought this was a really good idea. And when I read the the report, read the summary early on, um, I thought these guys are probably going to be up there, and and they were. Um, But the other team that I felt pretty strongly about having having been in the third world and been involved in aid work over the years was an app called AppSense, um, a team called AppSense, sorry, and their app, which they had developed for the developing countries. And the whole idea of that was in the developing countries, there's very seldom um, good records, medical records. Mm, mm. And some doctors see 20,000 people um, and don't have time for paperwork. Mm. So this app that they developed was meant to be um, installed on a smartphone and self-regulated. So you'd go to the doctor, you'd fill out your details. Next time you go, or, or even when you when you go, you can wave it under his nose and say, is this right? Have I recorded my stuff right? And then that could be shared. And actually the guys that developed this from Waikato University had a tap on the shoulder from UNICEF as soon as it was announced that they were finalists and it was published in the paper. Oh, wow. And UNICEF was saying, this looks absolutely awesome and, mm. and we want to know some more from, from what I understand. That's great. Um, so I could really see that being used. And, and uh, yeah, they came second. I, I would okay. have liked to have seen them come first. But that's mm. not parochial. That's just my, my thought was, what's going to save more lives? Fair enough. And I thought that might. <laughs> Well, so. well it, de- it depends because, um, yeah, we've been, being a Microsoft uh, thing, you know, it's all about coming up with the ideas, but um, I was thinking about the sunscreen app would actually work much better on the Sony Xperia Z that's, uh, um, you know, waterproof, uh, dust and sandproof um, than probably, uh, you know, I don't think there's any uh, Windows phones that are quite uh, quite up to that task. 
Um, but they could be in a couple of years. But but they might be very soon. So uh, <laughs> hey, no, that's cool. Well, congrats to uh, all those entered. It's I mean, it's great for uh, you know, great for the big tech companies to get behind these sort of uh, you know contests. And um, you know, I know you know Google do a lot of uh, stuff around. Um, um, you know, in, encouraging uh, software development and so on as well. Uh, but, you know, this is one where Microsoft have really been, um, you know, getting behind students in New Zealand for a long time and uh, definitely a pat on the back to uh, to them and everyone who's uh, participated and especially those who have taken home some uh, prize money. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess the, uh, um, the team uh, that are heading off to... Um, that heading off to uh, St. Petersburg. Infinity Tech. Mm. So, uh, yeah, congrats. Well, I think that's just about uh, just about us for uh, for this week on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Um, thank you, everybody, for uh, for joining us this week. Uh, now, some of you may have noticed in your uh, in your feed, if you're a regular uh, listener to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, uh, you may have noticed an extra podcast in your feed. Uh, we have just launched a new uh, podcast, which is we're treating as an offshoot to the um, to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, this one is called the New Zealand Digital Podcast. So if you want to know more about that, have a little bit of a listen in, uh, and uh, we explain it all uh, all there. Uh, episode one is online now. Uh, the, at least the first couple of episodes will uh, will be available directly to uh, to NZ Tech Podcast uh, listeners through our main feed. Uh, we're getting that set up on iTunes. Uh, we're, we're waiting um, on on um, the hoops we have to jump through with Apple for that to happen. And uh, ultimately, that will have its own um, its own feed and be available as a separate uh, podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, for those of you that are uh, involved in the the digital uh, world, the digital media, online social media space, and so on, um, certainly hope you'll uh, you'll enjoy listening to uh, to that one. Uh, now, we did talk uh, last week around uh, a little giveaway coming up. Uh, and we still have a Google Nexus 4 uh, handset here from uh, from 2 Degrees that we will be uh, giving away. The details of that are going to come up next week. Uh, we have actually a bunch of uh, a bunch of stuff to uh, uh, to give away in conjunction with a little uh, survey we're running. So we're we're uh, hoping that everyone will listen in next week and we'll be able to participate in that. We're just after a bit of feedback from everyone. Uh, we want to know what uh, what works on the podcast, what you want more of, um, and to, to just to get a few stats about our audience because uh, that always helps us in getting hands on gadgets from uh, from the tech companies when uh, when when they understand who our audience is. So. Uh, really encourage everyone to participate in that. We're going to really make it worth your while. We've got, uh, I think, probably a few thousand dollars worth of um, worth of giveaways coming up. So, um, yes, we would uh, we'd love it if you'd uh, you'd participate in that one. All right. Well, that's us for this week. Uh, now, David, we can find uh, find you online. Uh, Twitter is that at David Hallett. That's me. Now. It's H A L E T. That's right, David. Oh, I've got it right. Absolutely right. compacted. Um, excellent. And uh, of course, we can find both of you guys online at uh, ycatotimes.co.nz. You can. Or stuff.co.nz, where um, all the Waikato Times stuff sure. sort of sits. In the technology section. Yep. Excellent. And you can get me on Twitter at Chris Gardner NZ. Your new Twitter handle. Well, you want to change it because I wanted it to be mine. So um, at Chris C H R I S Gardner is G A R D N E R N Z. 
That's I, me. Did I tweet before without the NZ on the end? I may have done. I don't know. Oh, I might be in trouble. Maybe my phone All right. Didn't well, ping. Uh, apologies if I've done, if I've done that. Um, and of course, I can be tracked down online uh, on Twitter at NZ Tech Podcast is our main one. My personal one is at Paul Spain, uh, and uh, you can uh, you can find us of course online nztechpodcast.com or also on uh, on on Facebook and. Uh, um, Google Plus and the like as well so uh, hey thanks everyone for joining us we'll catch you next week see ya